disciples speak. Before the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour, hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him, that that is what he meant when he said not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You called me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, slaves. Slaves are no greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. These things, God will bless you for doing them. Good morning, church. Thank you, Ashley, for reading that scripture for us this morning. A few things that I want to remind you of. This is probably not a typical service. So if you are a visitor here today, this is what we call Youth Sunday, if you haven't already picked that up. Every fifth Sunday, when there's five Sundays in a month, we have Youth Sunday. And so that's a situation where the youth plan the whole service. Like they are involved in the music, and obviously you've seen them completely do the whole music, and they chose the songs, and they get to greet people as they come in, and they get to give community meditation, and so they basically run, run the whole service. So uh, we are very happy to have as many active youth in this church as we do. Um, God definitely works through them, even though they are young in age. The second thing is, is that this is a shoeless Sunday. The first ever Shoeless Sunday that we've had, as far as I've known. Um, and what that means is that uh, Cindy, Miss Cindy, came out and spoke about it. She is doing a mission. And the mission is that we are donating shoes to go to different countries so that folks there can start businesses selling those shoes. And so today the youth decided that we should um, ramp up that by having a Shoeless Sunday where folks just take off their shoes. So that's why your neighbor sitting beside you doesn't have any shoes on right now. Uh, they donated their shoes. And uh, it's perfectly okay if you still have shoes on. We won't look down upon you for too long for that. So that's a couple of things that is going on here today. Um, let's pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to, to read out of your word, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move among us and to open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us today. Thank you so much for the youth and for putting it on their hearts to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, well, 
Moses, when he encountered God on the side of a mountain, he encountered God in a bush that was burning. And this uh, bush that was burning was not burning up. It just continued to burn. It caught Moses' attention. He went to the bush and he, he approached it to see what was going on. And the voice of God spoke from that bush. It was God's spirit in that bush. And he said, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes for the ground in which you stand is holy ground. And Moses replied, here I am. God said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals, for I am the God of your Father. Today, we are celebrating an opportunity to serve God. In this situation, we are serving Him through missions in a different country. But we're doing something else today. We're recognizing the holiness of God. Some of us don't have shoes on, and some of us do, and that, that's okay. But spiritually, I want us to remove everything that prevents us from seeing and hearing what God has to say to us. Just as, as God called out to Moses, <clears throat> Moses, Moses, I want us to respond the same way Moses did. Here I am. <clears throat> Here I am, God. As God speaks to you, maybe it's through this scripture that we're about to get in in John chapter 13, or maybe it's through someone else bringing scripture to you this week, word, I want you to respond to God saying, here I am, here I am, God, what do you have planned for me? So if you have your Bibles, or you can follow along on the screen, let's go to the Gospel of John chapter 13. Ashley read the text for us today. A little bit of background on what's going on here. Jesus and the disciples are about to celebrate the Passover. They're coming near to the Passover celebration. And this Passover celebration is an extremely important time. This is one of the most special times in Hebrew history. Long before Jesus and the disciples were celebrating on it in the text that we read, the Hebrews were up against foreign gods, little g-gods, and, and evil in their land. And, and God decided that he had had enough. And he told them how to celebrate. He told them what to do on the first Passover. He said, get a small lamb. He had certain procedures for how this was done. And set your tables in such a way on this time. And you'll prepare this lamb and you'll feast upon this lamb. 
And you'll take some of its blood and, and put it on the doorpost above the door of your house. And God explained that this is what would save them from death. Now, I always had trouble with this part of Scripture when I was young. But let me explain what's going on here. When God told them to put the blood of the Lamb on their doorpost, it was an act of obedience. They obeyed God and did what He said. Then the spirit of death would pass over their house and would not claim their firstborn. This is God bringing judgment upon evil. Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, God says, I will execute judgment against all the gods, little letter G, gods, of Egypt, for I am the Lord, and the blood on your doorpost will be a sign. And so it was every... Hebrew that had the blood on their doorpost was saved. So Jesus and his disciples are celebrating. This is a very special time. They remembered their ancestors' stories about the first Passover. And and for Jesus, for Jesus, this is an extremely emotionally intense time. Now, only Jesus could, could withstand the intensity of what's going on here. Any one of us probably wouldn't have been able to handle it. Because not only was there the very special time of Passover that had to be prepared for in just a certain way, and it was only celebrated once a year, but Jesus knew that he was now... That lamb, whose blood was to be put on the doorpost, except it wasn't a doorpost anymore. It was about to be applied directly to you and I. It would be applied to us so that eternal death would pass over us. Can you imagine how intense this must have been for Jesus? To recognize the importance of the Passover and that you are yourself the Passover lamb? Pretty soon, it would be your time. It was about to happen. I mean, he must have been, knowing Jesus, he must have been super happy that he would be freeing you and I from the chains of sin. And at the same time, knowing what he was about to go through, I cannot imagine what was going on in Jesus. On top of all this, the scripture says that Jesus knew that Judas was about to betray him. Judas was that this man that he had trained, that had been with him, one of the twelve, was about to betray Jesus. So much going on inside 
of his mind. John chapter 13, verse 3 says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus had been given authority <coughs> over everything. Everything. Jesus has authority. <coughs> now, if you put me in that position, if I were there in Jesus' shoes, which I'm not in any shoes right now, <laughs> but if I were there, you know what I would have done? Probably the same thing as you. Boy, the first thing is I would have went over to Judas and I would have grabbed that punk up and I would have punched him square in the nose. <laughs> Knowing that he was about to betray me, Knowing that he was going to uh, betray all of the other disciples, and I would have thrown him out and say, you're, you're not part of us anymore. And you know what I'd done? I would have found Peter, because Jesus uh, was about to experience Peter disowning him. And I'd say, Peter, I know you have faith in me, but you've got to listen. Don't disown me. And if I was in that situation, I probably would have went after the devil right then and there. The scripture says it is not flesh and blood that we are fighting against, but the evil one. And this verse that Ashley read for us said that the devil had prompted, prompted Judas. It's the devil. So I would have went after the devil, and I would have completely disarmed him from everything and made him useless which is exactly what Jesus did a little bit later on. But right here, right here, that wouldn't have worked my way. My way wouldn't have worked. And how do we know that? Because that's not what Jesus did. And what Jesus does is right. What I do is not always right. Check this out. All the emotion, all the tension that was going on with this extremely important time, celebration and everything, and Jesus knowing that his time was going to come very soon, here's what Jesus does. Here's what he does. Verse 4. So, and I want you to take note of this. This is the same thought as verse 3. Jesus knew the Father had been given all authority over everything, so he got up, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. The same thought. So, so interesting that Jesus is just given the authority over everything, and what does he do but he washes feet? What's so important about washing feet? One by one, he goes to his disciples. 
by one, and he starts to wash their feet. And he, and he comes to Peter. He comes to Peter, and Peter says, uh, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus says, uh, he says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Someday. Someday you will. And how does how does Peter respond? No, Jesus. No, you will never ever wash my feet. So Peter says, no, evidently, uh, Peter doesn't want his feet washed. Now, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Peter stepped in something. Yeah, but he stepped in something before he came in there. Um, that happens sometimes. You ever, you ever step in step some poop? Uh, you know, maybe dog, dog poop's the worst, man. You, so you go to a meeting and you get in there and all of a sudden you smell something. Oh, that's not. And you check in. Oh, it's me. I stepped in it. And you say, you don't move your foot because you don't want to hide it in, make the smell come out more. And, and you kind of tiptoe out because you don't leave a track. People know where you sit at and they blame it on you. And so it's kind of embarrassing. So Peter, maybe this is the situation with Peter. Like he stepped in something, come in, he's like, no, Jesus, today ain't the day to wash my feet. Uh, maybe this is what's going on, right? No. No, he, he didn't step in poop, at least not that we know of. That's not it, because Peter says, never ever, you will never ever wash my feet. It's not just that day. Peter doesn't want his feet washed by Jesus. Must have been something more. Something weird is going on here. There's only one way to understand how weird it is to have your feet washed. Kids, there's only one way to understand how weird it is to have your feet washed. I don't know what these, okay, so I know what these guys are doing. You guys know what these guys are doing? It's about to get a little bit weird in here. Go ahead, find your person. So sometimes the, uh, the we got like the free will Baptist brothers that they. All right. Okay, pause right there. Dude. I'm just kidding. Nobody's gonna get their people on. <laughs> Thank you, kids, for participating. You don't have to watch anything today. But do you understand how awkward that is? Like, y'all, where some of you were just about to have your feet washed, and that's probably never happened to you. And that's kind of a weird feeling. It's really weird for that to happen for us, but what's going on here... It's much more important than the weirdness that you would have experienced if somebody would wash your feet in public. 
something more important going on here. We put this in the context, the context of what's going on. We understand that foot washing is normal. It's normal to have your feet washed in, in Israel in the early day. Here's why. Uh, you would wear sandals everywhere. And uh, wearing sandals, your feet get dirty. Sometimes you didn't have sandals on. And there was public bathhouses. Uh, so you would take your, your bath in, in public and then, um, or in, in, in public with their, the men's and women's were separate, of course. And, and then you would uh, come to the house. And when you would come to the house, especially on the celebration, you would wash your feet uh, before you would come in the house. Now, you wouldn't wash your own feet. If the house was a middle-class house, if they were well enough off to be able to afford a servant, then the servant would wash the feet of the guests. And if you weren't able to afford a servant, then the youngest person or the, the kid who drew the shortest stick had to wash <laughs> the feet of all the guests. It was pretty much a normal thing. You would come into the house um, with clean feet. And this was a normal thing. So the deal is, though, is that the least important status-wise in the house would do the foot washing. In this situation, though, here's the most important person in the room. And he's getting ready to wash feet. The rabbi, the teacher, and not just the most important room, person in the room, but here is the most important person, we could say, the king of the universe, and he's bent down to wash the unworthy sinful man's feet. It's upside down. It's, it's upside down from that culture. It shouldn't be done that way. But that's how Jesus ministers to us. That's the example that he has set. He comes to turn the world upside down. Jesus' followers, the Christians, in Acts chapter 17, as they're building his church and putting together the, his believers for doing his purpose, they are... They are um, accused of turning the world upside down. The King James says they turned the world upside down. This was Jesus' plan. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve, not to be served, this is upside down to the world, the king that comes to humbly serve. And Peter, Peter says, no, not me. And Jesus says, responds to Peter, listen, Peter, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Peter wants to belong to his teacher. He's starting to understand how magnificent of a thing is happening here. And he follows Jesus and 
when Jesus tells him that, he says, then, then wash my hands and my head as well. Wash all of me, Jesus. Jesus replies, verse 10, a person has bathed all over, does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. Now I mentioned the public bathhouses. When I was in South Korea, they had such public bathhouses. It's an, an Eastern culture thing. I believe we don't do it here. And we would go to a bathhouse, and uh, sometimes you would get help from your friends to wash your back, because you can't reach very easily sometimes. And so it was a little bit awkward, but it was public bathing, and you would go and take your bath, and then you would come home to the house, and, and guess what? You were all clean except for your feet, and Jesus plays on this, and he says, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet. The feet is the only thing that needs to be washed. You just need a foot bath, Jesus is saying. It's the same, the same with us who believe in Jesus when we are saved. Romans chapter 10 tells us what being saved is all about. Let's clarify what that is. This is the first step in being faith. Chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So when we are saved, we are washed all over. Just like a full, complete bath. And when we conf confess our sins daily to the Lord, we wash our feet. We have our feet washed by the blood of Jesus. And then our walk is cleansed. Another thing about this verse in Romans I want to bring out. A little later on it says, How can folks hear about Jesus unless someone is telling them. How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. How beautiful are these feet? Spiritually, folks, I hope that your feet for carrying the gospel has been working so much that there is no gently used shoes that we could donate today. All of them will be worn out and not worth donating, spiritually speaking. We must be spreading this good news of love everlasting. And Jesus says here, when we confess our daily sins, that's washing of the feet, but when we are saved, we are fully cleansed. This is asking forgiveness Repenting every time we do that, Jesus will wash your feet. Because that's the kind of king he is. He came to serve. Now, hey, let's let's not get caught up in a, in a boot loop. Uh, a, you know what a boot loop is? It's one of those straps that you stick your finger through to pour your boot on. You know, that's, that's one sort of boot loop. But the kind of boot loop I'm talking about... 
um, you tech guys will probably understand it. You turn on your computer, and uh, it, it, it starts up, and then it's just about ready to be used, and then it restarts again, and then it comes up almost to be ready to be used again, and then it restarts again, and repeat over and over and over, and you're watching it as it does this, and it won't work because it keeps rebooting. That's called a boot loop, and sometimes as Christians we get caught up in a boot loop. We think, man, I'm not good enough anymore. I'm not doing the right things. I need to go and, and uh, be baptized again to uh, lay my everything down again and be washed completely again. And what Jesus is telling us here is that this really has nothing to do with getting or losing salvation. It's about a relationship with Jesus. It's a matter of communion and fellowship with him. Oh, we can get caught up about thinking that we just aren't good enough and we just can't make it to heaven if we don't, we don't do this or that. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you confessed him, you've accepted him and put your faith in him, and that's it. That's where it starts. Now your faith in applying that is a lifelong <coughs> process. A sanctification process and you grow closer to Him. But if we can't ever get past that first accepting that we are saved, then it's hard to continue moving towards a closer relationship with Him because we continue to cycle over and over, never to get past that boot loop. Jesus, he came to serve. And this is an outstanding message for Peter, for all the disciples, really. On the same day, prior to this taking place, prior to Jesus washing their feet, the disciples were sitting around arguing with each other about who was going to be the best Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. Then they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, In this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves. More turning the world upside down. I wonder, as the disciples hear this, and as they hear Jesus and see Jesus washing their feet, if they think, boy, what were we doing arguing about that? I wonder if they thought about sticking their feet in their mouths. Yikes. This must have been quite a rebuke to have Jesus serving them like that. It must have stuck with Peter. Because when he wrote a letter to the Christians who were being persecuted, and when he wrote this letter to us as well, it applies... 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5-6, through 6, 
Peter writes, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Humility. Peter seems to have understood it. Serving one another. Then Jesus continues to teach them after washing their feet. He put on his robe again and he sat down. He says, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now you know these things. God will bless you for doing them. Jesus gives us this example. Do as I have done to you. Who is the greatest among you? The disciples argue. No. No, wrong question. Wrong state of mind. Not one person is greater than another in the eyes of God. He has made us all. And He has served us all. And His salvation is for us all if you will accept it. Are you willing to follow Jesus' example? It's not always easy. There's not a lot of glory in washing feet. There's always a price to pay. It will cost you. You may have to give up your comfort, your pride. Sometimes serving like Jesus will cost us our possessions. But I guarantee you, it won't cost more than anything you have in this world. Right after the attacks on September 11, 2001, there was a football player, and his name was Pat Tillman. Now, I don't know much about him, even if he was a Christian or not, but I do know that he was offered... $3.9 million to play in the NFL. He turned it down and enlisted in the army to fight for the freedom of our country. He was killed in the mountains of Afghanistan. This man had felt an obligation to serve and that choice cost him his life. Listen, folks, our service to God is one that will cost much, even our lives, but we should be willing to fulfill our obligation to serve Him. Maybe like the disciples. You don't understand this now. 
Jesus told Peter, someday, someday you will. Peter got to see Jesus give his life and take it back up again. He got to see the resurrected Jesus. And that was his someday. That was Peter's someday. After he seen the resurrected Jesus, he was solid after that. Jesus has served us all. And his salvation is for us all, if you will accept it. If you haven't already, I pray that you accept Jesus today. I pray that you will serve like Jesus today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the example that you have given us. I pray that you would embolden our hearts to serve like you did. Lord, to lay down everything that's in our way that prevents us from coming close to you, that prevents us from serving others. Father God, we are so grateful that you've given us a chance to let go of everything that's evil and be free from sin. It's in your name we pray. Amen.